my church family. My name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church, and we are just so blessed that each and every one of you is here today. Didn't we have a great time for those who were able to participate in our merry little Christmas party last Sunday night? What a great gathering. What a great turnout. It was a lot of fun. It was exciting, and I just love it. And I just want to, again, share the reminder as well as that this coming or that tomorrow is our Christmas Eve services at 3.30 and 5 o'clock. And I just want to encourage you, if uh, you're going to come and you're going to be there, again, no pressure for those of you that already have family commitments. I know that people have many different traditions. But if you're coming, I want to encourage you, bring somebody with you. Bring somebody to come and enjoy this time of year with you. And who knows, maybe that is the night where they have that place, that time where they experience the love of Jesus Christ and they give their life to him. What, wouldn't that be a great way to celebrate Christmas, seeing people come to know Christ? I want to encourage you to do that. Amen? Well, how many of you, I love asking this question, have all of your Christmas shopping done? You can raise your hand. You would say that. Oh, there's, there's not a lot of hands going up right now. How many of you still have some work left to do? All right, it's about 50-50 in this group. My words to you are good luck. Good luck to you. Just want to let you know Shoppers is open till midnight if you need to do that. You know, it is, that's one of the crazy things. I know how busy it is. I actually still have a few things that I still need to do, so I'm in that boat as well, and I'm saying good luck to myself. Well, this morning, or this afternoon now, we are going to continue our series called The Ghosts of Christmas, based on the timeless Christmas classic by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Story. Now, just for a little bit of review for maybe those of you who, who have not seen any of the multiple versions of the movie, that first of all, it is a, a, a story where the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge, is visited on Christmas Eve by three different ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And he's given a picture of what his life, first of all, what it has been, what his past has been like, his childhood. He's also given a picture of where he currently is that day and his relationships with family, with coworkers, with people, his relationship with uh, just his community. And then he's given a vision of his life of what will happen by the third ghost if he doesn't change where he's at. Now the truth is when it comes to our own lives, I shared this a lot, that each one of us has a past. We are living in this life presently right now, and that by God's grace, we know this, that we have a future, that there is a future for us. And, and the, the reality of it is, is that if we um, don't, the way that we deal with our lives in these different stages of our life, how we relate to our past, how we live in our present, will have a great impact on what our future looks like, looks like both in this life, and can I say this, in the life to come. That we're not just here on this earth for this moment. So two weeks ago, Pastor Peter did just such a great job of talking about the ghosts of our past. The things that we have that we deal with in our past. And now most of us would agree that when it comes to life, that there are probably things in our past that we wish we could do over. <laughs> that the, that we, we would love to change 
if we could. And, and that, that, that one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we don't allow those things to stay, that, that we don't carry them around, that we don't take that baggage and allow them to keep us from experiencing what God has for us today and in our future. But just as important, we can get trapped if we're not careful into looking at our lives about, well, what about the good old days? That, that, those moments where things seem better than they maybe they are right now, or, or in your mind you, you've made things out not to be as, as difficult as maybe the, the things you're experiencing now, that we can get trapped if we're not careful in living for the past, wanting the past to repeat itself. Well, last week I talked about how you can live in the present, that, that God's design for our life is that we would live each moment of our lives to the fullest. And the way that we do that is, first of all, that we accept our current reality, that we, we don't uh, um, try to ignore the things that are going on in our life and our world, that we deal with our issues and our problems today. Secondly, I talked about that, that we're called to live in this moment, that we're not to uh, waste our time trying to uh, ignore things, that we're to live in this moment, that we deal with things as they come up. And we experience life the way that it was meant to experience. And then that we lean into Jesus. You know, when we talk about this time of year, isn't it awesome that we can talk about how great Jesus is? That we're really celebrating the birth of Jesus on this earth because he's the one who's given us life and freedom. And he takes care of our past, gives us today, and also has a great plan for our future. So today I want to talk about your future. Or how you're f- to build your future, or what I like to call a living legacy. That God has, for each and every one of us, incredible purpose. That what we're experiencing in our lives right now, that God has even greater things for us to experience in the future. Can I hear an amen for that? That, there, that, that it, it, when we talk about our, our future or building a living legacy, it speaks to us fulfilling the purposes of God, that our lives aren't just existing, that we're not just living in these moments, but that God wants to produce fruit out of our life, that we're called to impact people and those around us for eternity. It's about making your life count. Now, how many of you enjoy Christmas music? You like it. Now, if I, was to, if I was to go into your car and I was to turn on the radio, what would I hear? Would it be one of those stations that's 24-7 Christmas music? How many of you would say, Pastor, that's what's going on in my world right now? I love Christmas music. Now, i, I got to be honest with you. I'm not one of those people. I like Christmas music. I like it in moderation. Like, I'm, I'm okay right now, the 23rd, 24th, the 25th, good days to listen to Christmas. I don't like it on November 25th. No, that, that's way, way, way too, too soon. I, I, I don't do that. But one thing that I do love and, and I love about this time of year is I love Christmas carols. Who here likes singing Christmas carols? In fact, last week when we had our merry little Christmas party, you were like when they are like, we're doing Christmas carols by the campfire. You're like, yeah, even better. You can't wait for somebody to pull out that guitar and you're just going to sing your heart out. You think it's an awesome thing. I do too. I love Christmas carols. And, and so today I want to talk for just a moment about a song that maybe you're familiar with. I think most of us are. It's called the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? Who, who knows that song? Now here's the lyrics to the song, because I, I, I want us to think about this. It says, do you hear what I hear? Said the night wind to the little lamb. 
Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? Now, a star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite, with a tail as big as a kite. That's all you're getting. That's it. That's full karaoke night for Pastor Todd right there. That's, it's over. Here's the reality. This song is, do you hear what I, but the lyrics that I want to focus on says, do you see what I see? Who here understands that when it comes to life, when it comes to the things that we view in life, situations, people, even our future, that people many times can be in the same room, in the same place, and see things completely differently. Have you ever experienced that? Like, like in your friendships that, that you could be like, hey, that car is blue. And the other person, I don't think that's blue. I think it's black. You know, maybe they're colorblind. I don't know. You, you, you see things differently. Now, uh, when, when there's a few things that I want to highlight here because uh, I don't know about you, but that, that there's people that have different views of stuff like going uh, camping in the woods, who likes going camping in the woods? That's something you like. look forward to. You see, the, the, the pro go camping in the woods, they see it as this. They, people see this as a chance to get closer to nature. A place to be free from the encumbrances of life. Now, there's other people. There's other people that look at going camping in the woods as hours of suffering, increased work, inescapable filthiness, and the closest place on earth to hell. That's how they view it. Two people seeing the same things differently. How about garage sales? Who likes garage sales? You know, now for some, now for some, there's perspectives. Listen, for some, garage sales are places of undiscovered treasure. Great deals, or you can find a deal. There's hidden gems everywhere. For other people, piles of junk. And the closest place on earth to hell. Okay, you see... I'm not telling you what my view is on any of these things. It's that, that we can have different viewpoints of the same thing. You see, people looking at the same things can have two different perceptions. You see, when we look at our future, when we talk about our future, we might have different views of what our future looks like. Now, here are three different views that I would say are the common views that people have that we fit into probably somewhere in these three categories. Maybe not specifically, but somewhere around. First of all, you're not even thinking about your future. You're busy. There's just so much happening. You've got school. You've got kids. You've got programs that you have to do. You've got a, a busy life. You're, you're just trying to get by from day to day. You're really not really thinking that much about the future. Life just kind of is moving along. The second view could be you look at the future with... <laughs> fear and dread because maybe you're suffering in this terrible economy that you, you don't have a job. You're, there's more month than there is money. You're, you're struggling with different things in your life. Maybe you have poor health. Maybe, maybe you've just gone through some difficult things in relationships. And for you, you're kind of like wondering, well, what kind of future do I have? I'm not sure, God. Things don't look that great. And the third view is that you look at the future, you think about it with optimism and hope that you believe, you know what, there's good things for me in the future. You see, last week I talked about the two different spirals that we can get in. The first one I talked about was the spiral of death. It was this, that we, we, we 
look at our past. We feel guilty about our past. We worry about the future, and it robs us of our opportunities in the present. Because we're, 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 just, we're just focused on the wrong things. But the spiral of life is this, that we learn from the past, we plan for the future, and we live in the present, or we jump on the opportunities that we can have today. You see, so these are our views. These are potentially, one of these might be your view of the, the future. But I want to talk for a moment, what does the Bible say about our future? Who wants to hear what the Bible has to say about your future today? Because I believe it's more important than what I think or what I feel, what you think or what you feel. What the Bible says is really important to us today. If you would turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, I'm going to read one verse today. I'm going to open this up in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It's one of my very favorite scriptures. Some of you might be like, Pastor, I'm with you. I love that scripture. I'm going to be reading to you today out of the NIV version of the Bible. Now, you can either follow along with me in your Bible or on your iPad or your iPhone or Watch the screen behind me. And here's what it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Here's what God says about you and me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How awesome is it today to be reminded for some of us, or maybe for some of you to be, to be told for the first time that God has plans for your life. That God has an incredible plan for your life. In fact, I believe this, that even before each and every one of us were born, it says in Psalms 139, that God had purposed your destiny. He knew you and he formed you in your mother's womb. I think it's an awesome thing. You see, when we look at the word here, plan, I have plans for you. In the King James Version, it uses the word thoughts, that we are constantly in God's thoughts. Now, when I studied the, the, the Hebrew, because this was written in the, this is an Old Testament verse, and so the word here is in Hebrew. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this word for you today, because I'll just destroy it. You won't, neither of us will understand what I'm talking about. Here's what the definition, the real definition of the, the Hebrew word is about the plans. It says a curious work or a crafted invention or innovation. You see, when God put plans together for your life, he did something that was very unique, specific, and custom-made for you. There's no other plan like it. The, the, the plan for your husband or your wife or your kids or the person sitting next to you or that person in China, their plan is completely different. That God, when he designed your life, he had a plan for you that was specifically unique, tailored to your life. And that's what he wants to do as you walk with him in the future. You see that it's more than a plan, it's a promise. And we see in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 here, that there's things that God promises. He promises blessing and prosperity. He promises that us that. He says, I want to prosper you. Well, pastor, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting nervous when I, I hear preacher men like you talking about prosperity because it's all about money. No, you know, prosperity is so much bigger than money. <laughs> And I don't know about you, if God has good things for me, I want all of them. 
not just a little bit, not just a, I'm telling you, poverty mentality is not God's mentality. We serve a God of abundance. And when I talk about prosperity, I'm not just talking about your finances. How about your relationships, your friendships? That God wants to prosper your friendships. Who wants healthy, strong, awesome relationships with people? Ooh, he wants to prosper your soul. How about your health? God, I want to walk in good health, divine health. I want to to know the goodness. You see, God has good intentions for you. The second promise I see here is he promises us protection. Oh, yeah. Protection for you and your family. That he watches out over you. That he cares about you. That he wants that, that he's there to cover you and protect you. I, when I look at this, it's that he wants to give us safety from the attacks of the enemy. Because there's a real enemy out there that wants to hurt you. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, my job is to give you life and life more abundantly. But you need protection. And then he says, I have plans to give you future and a hope. What, that, that's one of the best promises. You know, today as you're here, I want you to hear this, that we're, no matter where you're at, maybe right now in your life, you feel like things aren't really going so great. God says, stay, I've, I've got plans for you. My plans is to give you a good future and that you can have hope in this. Maybe you need some breakthrough in your your life, maybe you're struggling with things. God today has a plan to give you a future and a hope. And as you put your trust in him, it won't always be the way that it is today. Now, it's really easy when we read this scripture because I only gave you one verse and I did that intentionally today. It's really easy to gloss over this scripture and think that Jeremiah, the prophet who actually wrote this, was was quoting this declaration that God had when it was during a great season of his life. You see, we read this a lot of times and we can just be like, oh, this is one of those happy places where God is blessing Jeremiah and probably Israel is in a really good place because this is who initially he was writing it to. Like, man, they must have been doing great and they were in a place of great blessing, but Nothing could be farther from the truth. You see, when Jeremiah made this declaration, I want to tell you what was going on in his world. Jeremiah was was in a place where there was great turbulence in his nation. Jeremiah served before five different kings of Judah. Israel was already gone. They weren't even in existence anymore except they'd been exiled Many years before, but here was Judah that had been holding on the promise of God was for them, and now he'd gone through five different kings. I want to say this they were all five bad kings. They were oppressive, they didn't honor God, the people were suffering. He was speaking around, we're, we're giving the word of the Lord, speaking the truth wasn't really popular. In fact, there were other prophets that. We're, we're declaring great things about Israel. And actually before this, he, would, he had shared that, you know, what, we're, we're looking into some danger, folks. We're actually going to be taken into captivity. And actually when he wrote this scripture, they would have our, that Israel, Jerusalem, I mean, had already been ransacked and the king of Babylon had taken them into captivity. And yet here he's talking to, I have plans for you, says the Lord. 
Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you future. And, all. and these people are in chains. They're walking. And, and I, I, I got a feeling that someone's like, yeah, right. <laughs> what kind of a message is this? You know what I want, just as a little aside here. These promises were given to Israel in one of their worst moments. Isn't it great to know that even when we're not where we should be, God is still speaking his promises. You see, we may not always understand it, we may not always hear it, but when God looks at your life, he's still declaring his promises over your life. Yeah, but I'm really struggling, God. I, I, I can't seem to get free from this anger. I can't seem to get, get free from this addiction. But God says, I'm still speaking promises over your life. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling in relationships. God says, I'm still, I still got promises for you. Okay, pastor, that's great. That's awesome. God's speaking these things, but I don't see good things. Well, what's the, why don't we see things change? Or how do we actually see our future where we reap all of these great things you're talking about? I'm going to give you today, here's the key. The key is alignment. Your future is about alignment, about aligning yourself to the things of God. You see, when a car is out of alignment, what happens? It begins to pull to the side. It doesn't want to stay on that straight path. Have you ever had a car that was really out of alignment? You know, you, 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 you're, you're constantly fighting to pull the car back where it's supposed to go. If you take your hands off the wheel or you hit the brakes, it's like it just goes, Whoa! you know, it just keeps going off course. Why? Because it's out of what? Alignment. You know what, when a car is out of alignment, it creates more wear on the tires, and it's more work for the driver. How about uh, your back? Who here has ever had a back issue? Your back has been out of alignment. Oh, man, painful. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, I used to think people that said they had hurt backs were just, oh, they're all just crybabies. Then I hurt mine. I was the crybaby. I couldn't move. I hurt. Why? Because things were out of alignment. It caused pain. I couldn't do what I needed to do. I couldn't uh, perform the way I needed to. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't do a lot of stuff. I don't know if you've ever been in a hurry to go somewhere, but this happened to me. Uh, I remember one, a, f- a few years ago before I was a pastor, I was working as a sales rep, for, rep in the automotive industry. And I went to go do a presentation. I was a salesman. I went to go do a talk to a bunch of car um, repair shop owners. And I didn't realize this till I walked off the, the, the platform that I was sharing on that I must have not been paying attention really good when I got dressed that morning. But I noticed that my shirt buttons were out of alignment. I had a crooked shirt. Now, most of you, i got to say this. You guys are all probably way smarter than I am. 
you know, maybe that has happened to you, but you probably, when you're in the bathroom before you left, were like, oh, yeah, out of alignment, got to fix it. When you got to work, you probably were like, hey, oh, look it, my shirt's out of alignment, I got to fix it. No, I went to work, the whole presentation, buttons crooked. Now, I can only think of a couple things that might be a little more embarrassing, like my shirt was inside out. I don't know if you've ever done that. You put on a shirt, wore it for a day inside out. I'm not saying I've done that. Maybe, possibly, could have happened. Single guys, we do silly things. It happens in our life. Or that your fly is open. I mean, those are embarrassing moments that you have. But this was pretty embarrassing. You see, we have to make sure that we... Don't get out of alignment when it comes to God. Well, how do we get out of alignment? First of all, we, we, we fall into, I, we talked about it, we, we give in to worry. We don't have faith. We allow worry to dominate our thoughts, our thinking, our minds. We worry about the future. We worry about this might happen, this could happen. We worry about what people think about us. We worry, we worry, we worry, and it just robs us, but it takes us out of trusting in God, and then all of a sudden we we get into a place where we maybe start making decisions we shouldn't because we're living out of fear, not faith. How about this one, having a poor attitude? (laughs) Man, I got to tell you that one of the, I, I call this the acceptable sins of believers in Jesus is that sometimes it's okay to have a negative attitude. Well, that's not that bad. You know, that's sometimes, you know, the people aren't doing the right things. I have the right to complain about it. Don't like the way that people are serving me my food at the restaurant. They got to hear about it. I got to tell them. They need to know. But the problem is, is that it's not really very godly. And our attitude affects a lot of how we view God because really a negative attitude really is manifesting a lack of faith because you don't trust God so you're complaining instead of praising. See, we're called to be people that praise his name, not criticize what's going on. Can I speak that? And I know God's been dealing with me like, Pastor Todd, you gotta, you gotta stop it. All right, good enough. How about unforgiveness? Unforgiveness gets us out of alignment where we, we don't forgive people. We, don't, we hold on to things. We, we accept grudges. We, we don't forgive people for making their mistakes. Unforgiveness will keep you from experiencing the full measure of what God has for you. And then I say this self-centered living where you just live for yourself. You, you think about yourself. You live for yourself. It's a sinful life. All of these things are sins. And so the way that we get out of alignment is we allow sin to take residence in our life. So how do we bring our future into alignment? I got four things I want to share with you. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this really good here today. The first thing is really practical. If you want your future to be in alignment, first of all, you need to make a plan. I said this, the, 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 the spiral of life is this. It's that we, we learn from our past and we plan for our future. We live in the present. Well, we, we need to make a plan. I, I'm amazing how many times I see people become stuck and frustrated in their life visions because of two common reasons. The first one is there's a failure to plan or to have a plan or a dream. Who here knows there's a difference when you're a kid? Who here ever built a fort? The ragtag fort. You found like pieces of wood. You found, uh, you found 
blankets that had one had a hole over here. You went into the garage and you found your dad's rusty screws, the mismatch set, or, or your neighbors. You pulled nails out of work. And so you, you built this monstrosity. And you're like, this is cool. In fact, if you were like me, you'd, you'd go to your friends, you know, hey, I think we could live here. And then it rains. And you're like, I ain't ever living here. I, the, get away from this thing. It's terrible. Why? It was built. It had no plan. Now, when it comes to your house, who here is thankful that the house that you're living in, that somebody built it according to a plan? They built it in the right order. They, they, they actually had to get approval for it, that they had purpose. Because plans speak to purpose and intention. You would never buy a house that wasn't built with a plan. I, I'm telling you, you wouldn't want to do that. And here's what the reality is. You and I each were created with a purpose, and you were created to live with purpose. But we cannot get to go, we cannot go where we need to go unless we have a, without a map or a plan. So how do you build a plan? I'm, I'm, this is going to be really practical here. Now, some of you might think I'm blaspheming here. The first thing you need to do if you want to have a plan, stop. Listen to what God's put in your heart about your life. Pastor Todd, you've taught us that we're not to trust our heart. That our heart is wicked. Yeah, we need our heart redeemed. But I'm believing as I'm talking to you that you have Jesus living in your heart right now. That Jesus is, is gaining control of your heart. And this is just the beginning. This isn't the whole thing. So listen to this. But I believe that God puts dreams inside of our hearts. I believe that God gives us ideas. And so when God puts a dream inside of you, begin to write that down. Write that down as a plan. But here's, now I'm going to get spiritual, okay? Here's what you do. Then you filter the plans through God's word and prayer. You see, you submit what God puts inside of you to his word. Does it line up with his word? You know, if God was telling you, you know what, I feel like I am supposed to, you know, I, I, my business is going to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build, uh, I'm going to sell marijuana, medicinal marijuana. That's my, my, my thing. I have to make sure it fits in with, is that what God's asked me to do? I have to, okay, is it a good thing? I'm, I'm sure I just opened up a whole can of worms here. Merry Christmas. Um. I pray about it. But then what I do is I submit the things that God's put in my, my heart, what he's put into my life. I, 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 I partner with other godly people, especially leaders, and I begin to go, okay, what are you feeling? What do you see? And God begins to confirm what he wants to do. And then the next thing I have to do is I have to actually take the next step because the second thing that I see of why visions don't move forward, why we don't build alignment is we expect God to do all the work. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pastor? I've observed over the years that people will have a dream, they'll have an idea, they'll get a word, and they'll be like, I, you'll, you'll talk to them, you're like, well, that was a great word, and then a few years later, you'll be like, how's it going? And they're like, well, yeah, just nothing's happened. Well, Okay. What, what, why? Ah, we're just, I've been praying. I've, I just don't, I don't think God's in it. And you're like, well, what do, have you done anything? Oh, no, I'm, I, this is God's plan for my life. It's his dream. 
you know, they talk about it, they, they admire it, they even pray about it, but nothing happens. Why? Because they're hoping for God to just do this miracle where he creates things out of thin air. Like he, it's like, boom. He turns water into wine or he multiplies bread. But what you have to remember is that for the water to be turned to wine, somebody had to bring him the water. That for the bread to be multiplied, somebody actually had to give some bread. It wasn't like Jesus was like, hmm, bread appeared. Could have done that, but that's not how we operated. You see, I believe this, that if we want to uh, be a missionary or you want to serve people, that you actually have to take those steps to align yourself, that if God's speaking to you and he's given you a dream about something, if you feel like you're called to be somebody that, that, that produces videos that reach people, that you maybe need to learn about how to do video production, right? Amen? Second thing. Some of you are going to love this. First of all, let's make a plan. Second thing is don't stop believing. Great song from the 80s by Journey, by the way. Don't stop. Okay. I might have heard it once or twice. I believe this one of the greatest challenges to seeing change happen and the fulfillment of dreams is that they rarely happen quickly or as quickly as we want. The distance between here, where, we're, where we are right now, and there, where, where we see the fulfillment, sometimes can be years, it can be decades. It can, we don't know God's timing in all of these things. And I, we live in a society where things are happening more quickly. Like when you text somebody, how many of you get annoyed if you don't get a text back like within two minutes? You get nervous. You know, I, I, I realize this. I mean, I, I'm the guy that likes to, I think we should just go back to where we talk on the telephone and when we're home. Because um, it's, you know, you're driving, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like you were driving and somebody, t- why didn't you answer the phone? Because I was driving the car. Well, I need to know from, you know, this could be your wife, it could be a friend. You see, we have group expectations for things to happen quickly. We go, we go for those power lunches, 30 minutes or your money back. You, you, you time it. It meant if things don't happen quickly, we get frustrated. And the problem is, is that's not how God operates. In fact, God a lot of times allows us to, to, to go through some stuff because I believe he wants to refine us and strengthen us and to see if we will push through. And I've watched, and I've, it's made me sad, where I've, I've seen people get, have God put something in their heart, and the first obstacle that comes up, they, they, they're like, oh, I guess God's not in it. Because this is hard. Can I say this? The things that God has for your future, not all of it is going to be easy. <laughs> You're going to have to walk through some things. But here's the challenge. Don't lose faith. Don't quit believing. Don't give up hope. Don't change directions. Don't, don't stop doing what you're doing. There's a reason that in the Bible, Paul compared our lives and our walk with God to running a race. Now, Paul wasn't talking about a sprint. 
He wasn't talking about a quick race. He was literally the view that he had because he talked about the, the, the prize, the crown that was given. He was referring to the marathon, the, the long distance race that, that, that was given for those who, who, whoever championed it. Well, the thing about running long distances, how many of you, of you here are distance runners of any kind? You've been that? Um, and, and for me, a distance, if it's one kilometer or 40 kilometers, it doesn't make it, it doesn't, it, it, it's all the same a lot of times. If you are running, who here knows there's a thing that they call, it's called hitting the wall. You will hit the wall. If you haven't run before, it could be in the first hundred meters. Oh, God, what did I do? You'll, you're, where you, it's, the wall is where you're like, my body is hurting. My brain is like, don't do this. You're an idiot. Quit running. Stop. You see, it doesn't matter how conditioned of an athlete you are. See, a lot of the training for those who are competitive distance runners is they learn how to, to, to tell themselves when they're hitting that wall that they, not to listen to what's going on inside of their head. Now, when we talk about hitting the wall and pushing through the wall, we're not talking about walls like we have in this room here right now where you keep the hot air in and the cold air out. Who's thankful for these walls right now? It's a good thing. The wall we're talking about, how many of you have ever seen like uh, military training or police training where they run through an obstacle course? What happens at the end? Well, usually at the end of the obstacle course is a rope wall or some sort of a, a, a mesh wall that people have to climb over. And usually the difference between somebody passing and moving on out of all their training, out of all their coursework, is whether they can get over the wall. You see, when you face the wall, you can either stop, go around it, or go over it. The first two choices I gave guarantee that you're not going to pass the test. So you're really the only choice you have if you want to move forward, if you want to fulfill the promise of all of your training when it comes to being a soldier, being a police officer, is that you must go over the wall. I'm here to tell you today, maybe you're facing some challenges, some difficulties, some frustrations in your life. I'm here to tell you, you're going to make it go over the wall. Push through. It's worth it. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. Keep working toward that weight loss plan and your healthier lifestyle. Don't stop. Don't give up on your son, your daughter, your spouse, your friend who doesn't know Jesus. Keep believing. Don't change course. Keep focused on finishing that high school diploma, that college course, or your university degree. I'm telling you, it is worth it. Don't quit that team. Don't leave that job. Don't remove yourself from the church because of frustration. Push through your fear, your doubt, your frustration. And here's the other part of it is that we sometimes are faced with moral dilemmas. And here it is. Don't stop doing what is right. Even though you've been hurt in a relationship, don't stop being kind to people and forgiving people. Even though money is tight, don't stop putting God first in your tithing, giving, and generosity. Even though you are young and you're lonely and Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright has come into your life and it feels so right, don't stop living a life of purity. 
because it's hard. Don't allow a few obstacles to keep you from what God has for you. Here's my third point today. How do we walk in alignment? Well, keep it clean. I call it keeping it clean. Last summer, I was mowing my grass, and I thought there was a divine intervention by God. In the middle of mowing my lawn, my lawnmower stopped and quit working. Ah, honey, I'm really sorry. I'm free. I'm free. I, I, it doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry. Well, I knew that wasn't going to last very long. I got, that got me out of that day. But the next day I began to go, okay, now what do I got to do? This lawnmower was 20 years old. It was a great lawnmower. I'm like, I'm going to probably have to go buy a new lawnmower. So I went to the store and I started looking at lawnmowers. I was like, man, 500, 600, 700 bucks. Man, I wonder if I could hire somebody to do this job. So I was like, I'm going to have to buy this. Is that really what's going on? And so I, I began to look around and I noticed that the air filter was a little bit dirty. And I, so I decided, you know, maybe I should pull the spark plug out just to see how the oil is. And when I pulled the spark plug out of the engine, it was completely black. It was full of sludge. It had corrosion everywhere. It, 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 was, it was just filthy. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to go down to the parts store and I bought for $3.00 a new spark plug, I put that in the motor, and that thing just, it was like a miracle. What's the moral of the story here? Keep it clean. We got to keep ourselves clean. How do we do that? Keep your heart right. Guard what is allowed to live inside of your heart. Be careful what you allow to marinate inside of your marinate inside of your spirit. I mean, stuff like how about hidden anger? Man, man, you're frustrated. Let go of that stuff. Don't hold on to it. Don't let it stay inside of you. Watch out for negative thoughts, where you begin to look at people and situations. Maybe you don't agree with something they're doing. Maybe you don't see what's really going on, and so you allow this negativity to begin to fester inside of you. If you're not careful, that stuff will, will eventually grow and choke out you experiencing the full measure of the goodness that God has for you. How about unbelief? Maybe you've been trusting God, you've been believing for God, and you've been asking God to, to help you in this situation. It just seems like nothing ever changes, and all of a sudden you just begin to doubt and say, you know what, I maybe God just really isn't real. Maybe he doesn't really care about me. And unbelief can creep in and it can, just, it can shipwreck us. When you face these thoughts and those like them, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we're commanded by God, Paul writes us, that we're to take our thoughts captive. That we've got to take them captive because if they're left unchecked, they will rob us of the goodness and the grace that God has for us. Second thing we've got to do in keeping it clean is keep your conscience clear. Deal with the issues that surround you. Deal with issues in your relationship. When things aren't going right with somebody, deal with it. Don't ignore it. Don't try to, don't hold on to it. Deal with it. Constantly bring your sin and your weakness to God. We all make mistakes. 
We all fall short of God's glory. The Bible talks about it. Even, I hate to say this, even after I've been a believer for a long time, I still make mistakes. The key, though, is that I deal with it. I don't just, uh, I'll deal with that later. Don't make excuses for your bad habits and behavior. And lastly, I'm going to have Margo come up here because we're going to begin to close here. So I believe to build a life that's, to build greater alignment so that you can fulfill God's purposes in your future, we got to focus on eternity. You see, there's more than what we are experiencing in this life right now. What's crazy is that when you put your life and my life Against eternity, it's just a blip on the radar. But the reality is, is that how we live our lives in these moments affect eternity. But not only our eternity, the eternity of other people. You see, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because Jesus is the one who gives us hope in a future. And not only does he give you a hope and a future for this life, but a hope and a future in the life to come. You see, he came down to earth as the Christ child. Christmas, we celebrate the Christ child here today. So that we could be healed in our relationships. So that we could keep it clean each and every day. You see, it's his blood, his innocent blood that was shed for us that allows us to walk in forgiveness. And more than presents, more than turkey, more than all of the other things associated with Christmas, this season is to remind us of our need for what this little baby brought to us, which is hope, freedom, and a new life. Maybe today you're here and you're listening to what I say. Maybe you're, you're, you're just... You're looking at your life and you're like, Pastor, I am struggling with feeling hopeful right now. I'm struggling with, when I, when I look at my, my future, I'm not sure about where things are headed. I'm a little bit worried about things. And today you're just saying, by God's grace, you're like, God, I, I want to give you whatever that burden is, whatever you're holding on to. And that you're going to grab onto his hope instead of your doubt. You're going to, take on what he has for you. You're going to say, Father, as much as I can, I'm going to write this plan. I'm going to make a plan to, to, to serve you each and every day. I'm going to live for you. Help me not to give up.